0: you're tuned into 88.7 KBVR Corvallis. It is currently just after 7 p.m., and on a Sunday, that can mean only one thing. It's time for another episode of Inspiration Dissemination. I'm DJ Lillian Furneau.
1: And I'm Steve Friedman. At Oregon State, we have more than 4,000 graduate students in over 80 different programs of study, and here on Inspiration Dissemination, we feature the research and personal stories of one of these students each week. If you're a graduate student at OSU and you're interested in coming on the show or you just want to find out more about all the awesome things going on at Oregon State, check out our blog at blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration, where you can find out all about our up and coming guests and links to our Twitter and Facebook pages.
0: Inspiration Dissemination is recorded live and should they occur, any opinions expressed on the show are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily represent Oregon State University or this station. Tonight we are joined by Joe Donovan from the creative writing um, specialization in the English department at OSU and he is currently pursuing a Masters of Fine Arts. Um, hey Joe. Hello. And can, can you tell us a little bit about the research you're doing here, the projects you're pursuing?
2: Sure. Yeah, the uh the elevator pitch version is that I'm um I'm interested in pop culture and uh, I'm especially interested in um people who come um to who become to represent they come to represent uh more than just themselves. Uh for example, um they might be um a sort of representative of a of a company or they might represent a movement. Um in any sense they're uh they just sort of become icons, and I'm interested in sort of studying icons and how they become that way.
0: So are there any specific figures in pop culture that you're looking at specifically?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, we just listened to Prince song. I uh, I love Prince, um, and I'm writing um, an essay about Prince. Okay. Uh, so that's one, yeah.
0: Cool. And so... What makes Prince special in your eyes? Why are you interested in Prince specifically?
2: Um, you know, I think it started with a personal connection. Uh, just like I love his music. Um, I'm also, I'm, I'm from Minneapolis. Um, so is Prince. Um, and it's, it's just sort of always been a part of my life uh, doing, you know, listening to Prince music and yeah. sort of thinking about Prince and, you know. Trying to find prints in the city, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so you would, uh,
1: you got into him when you were a little kid.
2: I did, yeah. My uh, parents, you know, listened to him a bunch, um, and I was, it was just sort of always around. Uh, so, and then you know, when I grew up, I sort of realized what he was singing about, and I, I became interested in um, just sort of independently.
1: Cool. So uh so you mentioned pop culture icons. Mm-hmm. Um so who are some of the others that you're you're writing about?
2: Um there's uh Flo, uh the um progressive auto insurance yeah. uh, <laughs> woman and uh I'm just fascinated by her. Uh and there's uh this Egyptian puppet uh named Abla Fahida and uh she um is is a crazy puppet who lives in, uh, Cairo. I say lives because I think she has this kind of like life to her own. Um, Uh and, uh, so that's, that's another icon that I'm sort of interested in and writing about. Now,
1: obviously, uh, Abla Fajita is not from Minneapolis and I don't think Flo the progressive. No, she's not either. Okay. So what, is there something about those two characters that caught
2: your attention? um, I, you know what that's a really good question, and it's probably something I need to answer uh like down the line okay. uh but uh right now, you know Abla fajida just has a crazy story mm-hmm. um and I think I don't have a direct connection to Egypt or anything that she you know has sort of done in the past but uh i mean i, I, I think I'm just interested in her story and the kind of um climate uh that she sort of um was created in um uh-huh. uh,
0: and- so sorry, there was a controversy though surrounding this puppet character. Can you explain a little bit about yeah, that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Abla Fajida was like a YouTube star in 2010. Um and she uh was just like doing her own thing. She's a sock puppet. So she looks um she kind of looks like Miss Piggy uh sort of <laughs> uh and she um eventually sort of became famous, um, and ended up doing some commercials. Um, and she was in this Vodafone commercial, which is like, um, cell phone carrier in Egypt. And she, uh, was accused of, uh, essentially, uh, planning to bomb a shopping mall in Cairo. Um, based
1: on a, a phone commercial.
2: Yeah. Based on this phone commercial, there was this blogger who said, um, a lot of the sort of language she used, she used was sort of like coding for um, for this, like to direct it at the Muslim Brotherhood Army, a terrorist organization in Cairo. Um, and so, uh, I'm just really interested in that story and how you know you could sort of accuse a puppet of of sort of bringing about this kind of you know destruction. Um, I just think that's a, a sort of a a complicated thing to think about, um, right? There's, so. there's
1: a court case on this now, right? Or there was? There was. Yeah, Did the puppet was... go on the stand? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing like
2: that. I, I think, you know, it does say a lot about the sort of climate, I think, um, the level of um, anxiety and paranoia um, in the Middle East uh, mm-hmm. right now. Because, um, you know, it's it's to a level right now where even a puppet um, could sort of potentially be a threat. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's just a really scary thing. Yeah. Um,
0: and this goes back to the idea of the puppet, Abla Fajita, represents something larger than just the puppet yeah, itself.
2: Yeah, that's a good a good thing to point out. I think, if anything, she represents a sort of level of anxiety, um, a sort of um, kind of, I, I don't want to use the word paranoia because I think it's probably real, um, but but a sort of a kind of paranoia about uh you know, violence and uh, the threat of, you know, terrorism or whatever in Egypt. Yeah. So... (laughs)
1: Well, so, okay, so Prince was, you know, represented a lot. He was a very important right. artist to a right. lot of people. Yeah. And you have your, your Minnesota connection on top of all that. Yeah. Abla Fajida, I mean, there's this huge story with, with the puppet and caused potential, like, huge issues. Right. Flo the Progressive Lady, though, is just kind of a goofy, yeah. you know, D-list celebrity. D-list. Even, even if yeah. you could say D-list. Yeah. Um,
2: I like her. I like her. I mean, she's an underdog in a lot right. of ways. Um, you know, she is just like this, she's this actor who has never really had a break. You know, she's been on a lot of shows. Um, She's on Mad Men, um, but she never really found her stride. And then, ultimately, she found it doing this sort of, you know, this insurance campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, And i I think in that essay, I'm making the case that there's no one who can do a better job of being flow or being sort of like this sort of like cheerleader of insurance um or make you sort of feel secure in buying from progressive than this kind of quirky personality um so i'm I'm interested in her mostly because she's everywhere. You know, I I see her. I saw her last night at Squirrels. Uh, you know, I saw her uh, the day Flows before. In Corvallis. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's <laughs> she's on the TV, so it's real to me.
1: Yeah,
0: and she again, like I guess going back to what you were saying earlier, where there's uh, like a pop culture figure who represents something bigger. She, it's sort of hard to tell what she represents in a sense. Is that sort of what you're looking into? I, I,
2: you know what, and I, I think this is the essay that's giving me a hard time right now, uh, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure exactly what she represents. I, sometimes I think she's like your best friend, you know, like she's like this, like she's not sexy, which is sort of interesting for, uh, like a sort of like this icon, this female icon. Um, but she's not necessarily maternal either. So she's this kind of new sort of character in pop culture commercials, um, and I'm just, I'm just interested in her newness and how I think she's just a really bizarre character. Um, you know, maybe she's, I don't know. I mean, I I don't really don't know what she represents at this point. Um, and maybe she doesn't represent anything, but um, she doesn't have to, I guess. But at this point, I'm just, I just, I'm just hooked and I just need to finish writing that essay.
1: <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's a really good thing you pointed out though, is like normally female stars have either sex appeal or some sort of maternal characteristic and she right. doesn't really fit any of that. Right. So what, it but I mean, I can tell you myself and clearly she's had this hook on you. I find her very appealing in some weird way as well. She's just interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So that's I. like, what is it about it? I guess that's you, you hopefully you'll, you'll yeah.
2: explore that. I, I would like to. Right. Um, yeah, I, gosh, I wish I knew. Um, Right now i 'm just sort of tracking how she 's changed um, yeah. and how she's become you know, huge because that wasn't that wasn't the plan initially right. with progressive. She was just going to be the sort of minor character in one commercial, but she kind of took over right. and um, I'm just really interested in sort of seeing how she sort of became larger than life yeah
0: well, I think it's interesting to sort of try to imagine like a background on her and that's difficult to do when you can just see her as sort of a one dimensional character and she doesn't seem, it's interesting to sort of think about, well, who is she when she's not this insurance lady, right? Like that's hard to actually envision.
2: Yeah. And I know for, you know, just from sort of being obsessed with flow that she's um, she's, you know, had sort of, it's been complicated for her, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's difficult because now, She's so so much a character that it's hard for her to play anything else, and I think that's kind of a curse. Um, you know, obviously she's made a lot of money and she's become famous, but I, I mean, after this, what is what is Flo's career look like? And
0: what's the cost of being the most recognizable face? Yeah, right, right. <laughs>
2: that's like, I guess that's a problem with being in ads. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those that are uh, just tuning in or maybe missed the the intro to the show, you're listening to KBVR Corvallis. We're on inspiration dissemination, and tonight we have Joe Donovan, who's doing a, a master's in fine arts in nonfiction creative writing, throwing a lot of words that are yeah, all related. That's right. okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that sounds um, right to me. And so Joe Joe works on pop culture icons. So we talked a little bit about Prince and Abla Fahida, the Egyptian satirical puppet mm-hmm. who has been accused of terrorism, and uh, Flo, the progressive lady, the progressive insurance lady, and so. Uh, on the show, we like to kind of talk about how you ended up here doing this work now, so we alluded a little bit to that, and you grew up in Minneapolis, and that mm-hmm. made you interested in uh, prints at least um, but how did you how did you start with writing how did you was there a point where you kind of you know yeah. realized you liked writing about the world around you i guess um.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I realized until later that I liked writing about the world. I knew I liked writing about myself Uh, (laughs) from a young age. I think I had a lot of feelings, you know, like everyone does when Uh they're, you know, 14, 15. Uh, And I thought, you know, just like keeping a journal was the best way to deal with it. Uh Um, And eventually that sort of evolved into sort of more of an interesting craft. Um, And I started writing uh, regularly. I wrote for like... um, school newspaper in college. And, uh, you know, then after that, I just, I became an English major and, um, yeah, I guess at that point, you know, I, I graduated, um, college, um, and I knew I liked writing. And so, um, I did what I thought every writer should do, which is, uh, go out and live by yourself in the woods. I moved to a trailer, uh, in middle of nowhere, Montana. And I, um, I just tried to write stories and I failed uh, for a year. And then I moved to Lincoln City, and I did the same thing. Um, and then ultimately, I got a job writing for a blog uh, in Portland, um, and actually writing for Willamette Week as well, um, which is a all weekly in Portland. Um, so that's, I guess, that's kind of like a summary of my background in like you know a hundred words or something.
0: <laughs> so what what about Portland made you? Uh, what drew you to Portland, I guess?
2: Yeah, uh, I think it was the friends. I had a bunch of friends who lived there. Um, and I mean, I think like Portland is like a giant college campus, you know, like it just it's got this weird, like young vibe. And uh, so it was like just it just made sense at the time. Um, and uh, I guess I found a place to live that was pretty cheap, too. Uh, so Portland, Portland was a good thing for me, for sure. So oh, you mentioned um, you, you, after, you you were an
1: English major and then you wanted to go write. So you went to the middle of nowhere in Montana. Yeah. And you tried to just write. Yeah. And so I, I, it sounds like you weren't really inspired by just vast nature, right? Which is what's in Montana. Right.
2: Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a good point. I thought I would be. Um, I thought if I just sort of like shut out every other part of my life, that writing would just become more and more important. Um, and I learned, you know, pretty quickly that that's just not how, oh, maybe, maybe not, maybe it took me two years, but, uh, <laughs> I learned eventually that, um, I needed more than just like, a you know, a simple job and, uh, uh, like a computer. I needed like people. And that that's ultimately why I applied to grad school. Right. Um, so that, that's I why mean, I'm here.
1: That's know? what pops to my mind is it, at least the little I know about you, we've, mm-hmm. you know, known each other for all of an hour and a half total yeah um and all your your writing it all seems to be centered around people and their interactions with other people and culture yeah um so do you think that related maybe to being out in the middle of nowhere doesn't didn't work for your writing style or what your interests
2: yeah i think that's a really good point um i think in terms of what my interests are uh i learned sort of by messing up a bunch uh-huh. um and so i learned that i write about i like writing about other people and i like writing about the sort of like the world in general and not so much about myself or at least i don't like that to be the focus um and yeah that that definitely happened once i sort of attempted to write about myself and sort of isolate myself and it just was miserable so yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> did you attempt to write on more isolated like topics like nature and things like that while you were in nature yeah
2: I wrote so many funny things about like (laughs) trees you know or like (laughs) the three moose I saw in the morning or you know (laughs) like the grizzly bear that moved from one leg to another yeah like it's just weird stuff Yeah, like nature writing I can't do it
0: Uh, so one thing I wanted to kind of go back because I wanted to touch on something that I thought was really interesting was back towards Prince Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea that Well, he was born in 1958 Mm -hmm. and there were some serendipitous events that happened around that time, uh sort of like extra, not extraterrestrial, but, um, otherworldly in a sense. Can you sort of, can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that was, this has just been like, it's been so fun. And I think, uh, like part of the reason I'm here in grad school is because I just like have a lot of fun writing actually. Um, and, uh. This is a project that I thought was especially fun. In 1958, um, there was a bunch of strange stuff happening in the sky. Um, that was the year Prince was born. It was also the year that Sputnik fell out of the sky. Um, and there was this group of uh, Americans, I guess. Uh, there's probably no better way to... It just it seemed like a lot of different sort of groups. Um, they they just sort of like went out at night, every night, to go look at the night sky and see if they could see Sputnik... Um, and they were sort of motivated by this sense of fear. They were worried about what Sputnik could um, possibly do to America. Uh, people were worried about all sorts of things. They thought maybe it could drop a bomb. They thought maybe it was messing with the sort of, you know, heavens. Um, and these were called moon watchers. And so they went out every night to watch the night sky and eventually – they didn't see Sputnik, but what they saw instead, I think, is more impressive. They saw these, essentially the brightest Northern Lights on record happened uh, in 1958, uh, four months before Prince was born. And actually, uh, in August of 1958, Michael Jackson was born, and so was Madonna. Uh, so there was like this whole crazy Northern Lights um, show happening in early February 1958, um, and you could see the northern lights as far south as um, Havana, Cuba, and Los Angeles. Um, and they were like this kind of pink, uh, sort of low-lying, shimmering qu- quality to the sky. Um, it's like, you know, just this weird, weird sort of sky phenomenon that happened because of solar flares. Um, and so I, I have this uh, essay that it's about prints, but it's also about the kind of paranoia and fear that's sort of triggered by all this strange beauty in the sky in 1958.
0: And certainly their music is, at well, least Prince too, is otherworldly in a sense. He is yeah. like not your typical pop star even.
2: Right. And so. he's not your typical guy from Minneapolis. Either. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's just like nothing average about Prince um, or Michael Jackson or Madonna for that matter. And um, so I, I was just really interested in, um, sort of and I, I it's weird because it's like a total conspiracy theory if you think about it I'm essentially saying that uh, the crazy sky in 1958 forecasted the arrival of this pop star uh, which sounds <laughs> crazy I know uh, but um, I don't know I just want to do it anyway so yeah <laughs>
1: You think uh the the northern lights of that year could al- I mean, they almost look purple sometime. Maybe right. like some purple rain. I know, right? So <laughs> and oh, man, there's so many great
2: sky lyrics and prince songs. Yeah. Uh, so
1: So maybe he, he you know, just to take it even further, he came all these stars came down in these you know, they are literally otherworldly and they came down in these uh, yeah. Cosmic events. Right. That's I think what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well if you can put together some proof of that, I think you'd uh you'd certainly make it as a writer.
2: Really
0: interesting. Yeah. Interesting to read about.
2: Yeah, it's I mean it's all it's like there's like I guess this is I think sort of explains one sort of interest that I have in writing and that's to take things too far. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm I think I'm kind of absurd in my writing, uh in my sort of writing habit. Um this Prince essay is certainly taking things one step too far. I know that, um, but I'm just interested in entertaining that idea anyway. Um, so, cool. Yeah. Um, so to I guess to
1: bring it back to reality a little mm-hmm. bit, sure. Um, and just kind of connect the dots a little bit because we we have jumped around a little yeah. bit. Uh, you were in Portland. You're working on for this ad agency, and now you're here doing this masters. Mm-hmm you know, so you had a real job and for most grad students, that's the end goal, right? Just to get a real job. Um, so I guess question one would be what inspired you to stop the real job and come focus on your writing and get a master's. And then, uh, when you have your master's, what do you plan to do with that after?
2: Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, It can be speculative. Yeah, you know, I guess for me at this point, I'm just like, I'm really interested in gaining experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, for me, I think, more important than, you know, making money. Um, And it seemed to me that it was a good experience to come here and spend two years focused on writing. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why I decided to do that. Um, I spend, you know, probably three hours a day thinking about, like, prints in the night sky. And it's, like, the best thing. So uh, I really enjoy that. Um, But... In terms of what I'm going to do after, uh, I'll probably go to a city. I want to move to a city. Uh, I want to write every day. Um, And I want to make enough money to live. Um, Ultimately, I think I'd like to work in a kind of creative agency. Um, Mm. uh, Probably in some kind of PR capacity. Uh, I think that's something I I sort of enjoy enough. Um, And it's one of those things that I can do, I know, and it doesn't... I don't think of it as too taxing. So I can either write in the morning before I go um, to work or, um, you know, find time in the afternoon, uh, to write. So, yeah, I, I just, I, I just want to figure out a way to sort of balance this kind of like writing interest and then, a, you know, obviously a way to make money. Mm-hmm. So
0: how much of your current MFA program would you say is technical development mm-hmm. of the writing skill versus developing your voice as a writer?
2: Um, that's a really good question. I think it, I think it differs because, you know, there's so many different routes you can take. Um, But for me, um, I think it's mostly about kind of figuring out my voice. Um, I get a lot of criticism about sentences uh, sometimes. I think I'm sort of self-conscious about, um, you know, I I can't – I don't always make, like, the best sentence. Um, Obviously, I I know how to write, um, but um, I'm worried – yeah, it's, it's sort of an insecurity. It's like, how, how do I put together a good sentence? Um, and uh, I would like more of the sort of technical side of it. Um, but at this point, I'm just trying to figure out my voice. I think that kind of comes before. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at, I think, as a writer. Uh, if that makes sense, I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so developing like um, a technically good sentence versus one that maybe sounds good to the ear. Like- I mean,
2: I, I can certainly put together like a, like a sort of a sufficient yeah. sentence. Uh, but what I... I, I guess what I'm saying is i just like there are some writers who i and i it's hard to explain this, but there are just there are some writers that I just really admire their sentences uh the way they put together words um and i I'm not there yet I'm not like um you know I'm not like you know any of those writers that you read in The New Yorker um who can put together just like a beautiful sentence uh,
0: who so. would be an example of a writer whose sentence sentences or sentence structure you really admire?
2: Yeah. One, one guy I think of immediately is Ben Lerner. He's a poet. Um, and I just read his book called 10 Oh four. Um, and he does an amazing job of just putting together, um, these sentences and using sort of verbs that are sort of unique. You know, I, I use a lot of like sort of boring verbs, but his verbs are just, they're just so alive. Um, and so I really admire that. And obviously Joan Didion is another writer. Um, who is sort of known for her sentences. Uh, so those two, I think, are, are probably good examples of what I'm going for.
0: Nice.
2: Yeah.
1: You might not have the answer to this yet, but that <clears throat> kind of strikes up another question to me is how do you – it seems like the best way to do that is to – the more expanded your vocabulary is, mm-hmm. the more options you have to string together a sentence. Yeah. And I – the best I can think of to do that is you just read a lot, right? Is that kind of the process? I think that's 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 right. That's yeah. completely right. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
2: I just you know just more and more reading. Yeah, um, and so uh, I'm doing a lot of that, um, and yeah, I guess that's that's part of it. Also, just copying people. Like seriously, I I copied like probably 35 pages of Ben Lerner's novel. I just like wrote it down, uh-huh. uh, and so I could sort of see how his sentences look, or I can sort of like perform his sentences. Um, I just think that's one strategy. So,
0: so in that, I have a question. Do you prefer writing by, um, longhand on paper or word document? Like, is there a difference for you?
2: Yeah. I like to mix it up. Um, I, um, when I'm sort of stuck, I usually can switch. So if I'm on the computer, I'll go to long, like longhand, um, or I'll go to the whiteboard, um, and just like write huge letters. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean it just – it depends on what I'm doing and then I sort of switch it up just to kind of, mm. I don't know, change things. Yeah. See if something happens. Cool.
1: I guess I have one more question about the technical side yeah, of being sure. a writer uh-huh. before we – and we are coming to a close here. Um, do you sit down and say, all right, today, I want to get 1,000 words written today or 500 words written today and you try to hit a certain number every day and then you just figure out if they're any good later?
2: Yes. Yes, I do that. Um, So four pages, you know, if I can get a thousand words, which is you know three or four pages, um, that's great. Okay, Um, and so and then uh, like yeah, I'll just like get it done, and then it'll be really really bad, uh Uh, and then I'll try to work on it either you know later that day or, uh, you know, yeah, I can stand to read it. Right? Yeah,
1: Yeah, you always got to step away for a little bit and come back and read it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it goes. Well, very cool i i mean between and i, I do want to emphasize actually that uh you're going to be reading your prince essay in oh, yeah. portland yeah I right <laughs> let's let's
2: plug that a little bit yeah it's uh it's a saturday it's february 18th at seven i think um at uh, mother Foucault's uh so if you're in portland Come to the reading, or really, if you really like Prince, you know it sounds yeah. like it'd be an interesting uh, a, perspective. Yeah. I'm reading with my advisor Elena Passarello, who uh, is knows way more about Prince than I do. It turns out, so, <laughs> so very it's, cool. Yeah. So if
1: you're uh, if you're a Prince fan or in Portland and just like some good creative writing, yeah, just stop totally. by. check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Joe, we have some traditions on inspiration dissemination. Um, we like to ask all of our guests for some advice. So, you know, usually we try and say what advice you would give to yourself, you know, five years ago or Mm. someone starting grad school or just starting out writing. Um, You know, what, what would you say to that
2: person? I would say, and Oh man. um, I would say, you know, there's I think a lot of sort of caution against sort of diving in too deep. Uh, Getting obsessed with something, but I would say you know it's okay to sort of, sort of, kind of get lost in something for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's okay to sort of be obsessed about um, you know the night sky or uh, like you know a puppet in Egypt Um, because that's like I don't know that that's how you learn or something. Uh, So that's what I would do. That's what I would say. Awesome. Yeah.
0: So basically, overthinking is a good thing sometimes. Yeah. Or just like.
2: Just letting yourself sort of spend the time with something. And sometimes that's weeks, sometimes it's months, yeah. and sometimes it sounds kind of absurd uh, to other people, but, um, you know, why not? Yeah.
1: I think that's yeah. some most grad students do, regardless of the field. If you want to succeed, you got to just let yourself dive all the way in right. and get overwhelmed with it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's a pretty normal thing, I think, for our graduate students. Right. Great yeah.
1: advice. Um, so we have one other tradition, and okay. we had some trouble with this one. Uh, we like to have our guests play themselves out right. for a song. And so, unfortunately, we, we had some trouble finding Prince
2: songs. Yeah, Prince is not an easy <laughs> guy to find on the internet. Yeah. Um, so, do you, I mean, do you want me to introduce the song I chose? Or? Yeah, so. Yeah, let's so. see.
0: Hopefully it works.
1: Okay, great. <laughs> so we have, so yeah, so we uh, what what tell us the song we're about to put on.
2: And, uh, you know, yeah. maybe why you like it. So this is, this is uh, Purple People Eater. It's uh, the song that uh, was the number one hit um, when Prince was born in 1958. Um, oh, wow. And what's amazing about that is the song talks about this creature that falls from the sky, this purple creature that just wants to play in a rock and roll band. And that sort of explains Prince. Um, yeah. So... Very cool. We'll listen to that.
1: Thank you so much for coming on, Joe. It was a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you. So we have uh, Purple People Eater.